This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. अंग्रेज अपना लगान और न्यूज लॉन्ड्री अपना हफ्ता कभी नहीं छोड़ते वेलकम टू येट अनदर एपिसोड ऑफ हफ्ता फ्रॉम सिटी स्टिल इन लॉकडाउन एंड मच ऑफ द कंट्री स्टिल इन लॉकडाउन वी आर हेयर एट आर ऑफिस एट न्यूज लॉन्ड्री ऑन द पैनल टूडे विथ मी वी हैव टू पीपल हु आर नॉट इन ऑफिस वन इज को फाउंडर एंड माई फॉर्मर बॉस एंड जर्नलिस्ट एक्सट्रॉड नैम अदूत रेहान आफ्टर लॉन्ग टाइम जॉइंग द हफ्ता वी होपिंग यूड बी हेयर बट द लॉकडाउन हैज प्रिवेंटेड इट इवन दो यू नॉट ट्रेवलिंग सो मच एनी Hi. Hello, but why aren't you wearing a mask? Because I'm sitting in office with. Um, okay, I'll just wear a mask. Why aren't you wearing a mask? Because you're home alone. Okay. I'm alone. I'm home <laughs> alone. Manisha is <laughs> not wearing a mask. You're not wearing a mask. Okay, but we are sitting like more but than three feet away. Office. No, please wear a mask. Okay, fine. And Pratik is joining us from Ahmedabad. Hi, Pratik. Hi, Binandan. Pratik is the co-founder of Alt News. It is a not-profit, not-for-profit fact-checking website. He became interested. Most of you already know who Pratik is, but those of you who may not, I shall just introduce him. He started exposing fake news when he was working with his activist parents, and then he's followed the rise of fake news. And as early as 2013, he had identified the problem, and he started a website, and he realized its impact in 2016 uh, when four Dalit boys were flogged for skinning a dead cow in Una, Gujarat. He quit freelancing as a software engineer in 2016 and founded Alt News the next year. So, welcome, Pratik. Pleasure to have you on Hafta. Thank you. Uh, you've been on uh, the Media Rumble, and that's 2017, right? Ah, uh, yes. No, 20. He was there last year. No? 2017 and tw- I have come twice. Uh, yeah, 2017 or the first one. You had come for the first one also. I remember. Yes. But yes. you have you've been on the Hafta before, haven't you? I've spoken no, to no, you. No, no. This is the first time I'm doing this. Okay, but we spoke. What was that regarding? I don't even remember now. It was like long ago. Like was I, that. You no, had already started Alt News then, right? No, I don't think we have spoken. I mean, I have spoken to you independently about a quote. I think of a, a oh, little right, while right. back about that movie. Which movie was that, it? Yes, uh, yes. The Deepika Padukone movie. Oh, the um, Chapak. The, Chapak. The, I yeah. think. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fine. So, welcome. How are things in Ahmedabad? How's the lockdown there? Is it being followed very efficiently, or are people out and about? What's the situation? In my part of the city, it is being followed efficiently. I heard, you know, there are some other parts where people are coming out, but things are not very good. The numbers are rising very sharply, and uh, despite Gujarat being number two in the in the list, you know, of uh, not just cases but also deaths and the high death ratio, you know, Gujarat is largely being unspoken about. Had had this been a non-BJP state, you know, we would have every news channel would have been speaking about how there's so many cases in Gujarat, but of course. Well, the more, most problematic thing was, of course, Madhya Pradesh, when because of the whole government formation, every social norm of COVID hygiene was thrown to the wind, including the celebration when Shivraj Chauhan became chief minister. Yeah. All right. So uh, much has happened in the news, actually. But before we get to that, I will give you what are the latest figures as we record this. Uh, the global confirmed cases have crossed three million. We're at almost three point two million. The global recoveries have almost. Touched 10 lakh. That's 1 million. The fatalities are at 2 lakh 28 thousand. They've touched 2 lakh 28 thousand. India confirmed cases have crossed 33 thousand. Recoveries are close to 8 and a half thousand, and fatalities are almost 1100 now as we record this. Meanwhile, in the news, there was major shit storms caused primarily by the Palghar lynchings uh, and its <laughs> outcome. And then storms caused. <laughs> yeah, and and then what happened with Arnab and all that? We shall discuss that. Uh, what are the other headlines? Irfan Khan died tragically, yeah, as did Rishi Kapoor really... this morning. 
uh, we shall discuss that a little bit in other news rahul gandhi had a conversation with raghuram rajan which we all saw i saw some of it at least we can discuss that a little bit uh, the other headlines for the week have been the us commission on international religious freedom has called for india to be placed on religious freedom blacklist uh, the response to this was very interesting i think the external affairs ministry said uh, cast aspersions on the uh, importance of this body we may have a coronavirus vaccine by september says a pune serum institute i think the vaccines uh, that are being tested in oxford are already they've already reached the second stage uh, icmr has advised to stop using chinese made rapid testing kits there was a lot of controversy around that that mehraj can fill us on haryana has allowed the use of rapid test kits from south korean company and that that'll begin from that's already begun from it as the center has allowed haryana to do that yeah. right yeah i think that uh, korean company has a facility in manisar where they make those kits so it should be easier for them in karnataka some cabinet ministers are uh, have been quarantined after they got in touch with the tv journalist who's apparently tested positive this story uh, i think the delhi test there are about three journalists from about 150 journalists who tested positive the print has three journalists uh, the print dot in so yeah Globally, there were some mirths caused because of Trump's press conference, as always, where he suggested that you could inject disinfectants and use sunlight to treat COVID-19. That caused a lot of funniness and memes. The Delhi police has slapped UAPA charge on JNU student Sharjeel Imam in relation to the Jamia violence. There was also a raid on the ISA Student Union's um, the leader. I forget her name. What's her name? No, the Sharjeel Imam. Uh, no, the ISA leader. There was a story in the Wire. The lady. Safura Zargar. Yeah, Safura. Okay. And uh, so they're one by one going after students and activists in the Delhi riots case, and so far there's nothing been. Uh, Kapil Sharma hasn't even been interrogated, and of course the JNU violence everyone's already forgotten. CPJ meanwhile has urged seven Asian countries to release journalists. These include China, Cambodia, India, Myanmar, Philippines, Pakistan, and Vietnam. And uh, there's been some disturbing attacks on journalists also. in the run up in the past one week we were a journalist in chatisgarh who was questioned because he reported on a poor family that sold off its fridge because they weren't getting rations this is dantewada case right yeah dantewada case we were a journalist in andaman who was uh, picked up because he questioned uh, the administration on twitter so he was asked why are you asking questions about the pandemic on twitter and of course the arnab goswami's 12 hour long interrogation that we should and this into. andaman journalist was taken away from a red zone yeah in the middle of a pandemic mm. yeah and because it's andaman so they had to take a ferry ferry him to a, a police station and they had to come back and all he asked is because the police had gone off quarantined a family who spoke to a covid patient on phone yeah he and says why are you doing this and he just asked that on twitter and they said why are you questioning us on twitter so pandemic is clearly being used by uh, some to and that was actually usher in a police state but that that had been kind of predicted by some agencies that that have been looking yeah, at there, journalism yeah there's been a lot of think pieces on that also that you know so yeah so those are the headlines so let's just start with what our panel thinks a of this questioning of journalist and the most high profile one about arnab because you know that's a complicated one cuz you know people have hedged on that for a variety of reasons and i understand some but let me ask pratik pratik i think you personally have been often mentioned and targeted by arnab if i'm not wrong yeah have fault you? news he's actually called alt news fault news fault news as you call you fault news yeah that was recent uh, i think 3 4 days ago so what's your take on the whole fracas that happened this is an issue that i grapple with and and the more basic issue is you know whether freedom of speech what is more primary whether whether it is freedom of speech or freedom of or right to life i'm i'm not talking specifically about what he said about sonia gandhi but you know what anna has been doing for a while for example what 
you know the way he has targeted people like umar khalid etc and we know that you know there was a attack on umar khalid uh, i think a couple of years ago when somebody tried to shoot him and you know the gun did not fire and things like that so this is a question that i have been most confused about as to what anchors or you know who have such access to audience are what is okay to say and what is not okay to say and is it okay for uh, news anchors to keep doing this hate mongering day in and day out which endanger lives of people who are much less privileged uh, than them so in that light but i mean specifically about what he said about sonia gandhi i don't think that merits a police investigation but again him communalizing the palgar incident and and what that entails in the larger scheme of things i'm not exactly sure i'm i'm not clear whether you know this should be considered a crime anymore or not because it is actually killing people it is you know for example food vendors are being targeted these days people you know the other day we did a story about how this man went to a police station uh, sorry a petrol pump in gujarat and dropped a few currency notes uh, this muslim man by mistake and he was targeted and an fir was filed against him accusing him of spreading corona virus etc so it has much larger ramifications what these news anchors do so i do think that uh, that you know some of it merits uh, them being questioned i see madhu what is your take on it the questioning of arnab does it merit questioning what he said about sonia has some you know pockets of the news world been caught flat footed that how do they respond to that is there is is there hatred for arnab superseding their desire to stand up for free speech see i i think i i do believe that free speech is important he should be allowed to say whatever he did well he has the freedom to say it and he said it now the question is also everybody else has the freedom to follow follow up on it in the sense that if somebody is filed an fir uh, accusing him of defamation or whatever is their freedom to do that also so i think it's part of the process and i'm pretty curious to know that he made all these accusations on camera about sonia gandhi and the vadra what he calls the vadra congress being responsible for all these uh, for the palgar incident and um, the thing is that for a journalist to make these accusations without any documents or proof or evidence i think speaks for itself so that by itself shows that it's not good journalism aise to kuch bhi kisi ke bare mein kuch bhi bol do i don't think that's right and i don't think that's journalism and i think that if he did have any proof of anything he would have shown it on camera he would have played that 5 seconds of recording or whatever he possibly has of if he if he had it he would have played it over and over again but obviously these are just wild accusations so therefore one can't look at it as journalism one can only look at it as somebody just making any wild accusations and anyone can stand in the street and say anything now the question is that people viewers should also understand that if you're watching this you're supporting it so switch off but what about the questioning 12 hour questioning by the police i mean would you say that it is a misuse of authority of the state by harassing him well first of all you and i and everybody in india knows that the police rarely acts on their own they might act on their own on the street or you know arresting all these small here and there but when it comes to something as major as arresting any journalist or any or even questioning it usually comes from somewhere on the top now the question to be raised is who is instructing the maharashtra police hmm 
your take, uh, Mehraj. Uh, but before that, uh, Pratik, uh, quickly, would you consider this harassment of Arnab by the police of Maharashtra? Well, I agree with what Madhvi is saying that you know, usually when something like this happens, it, you know, the instruction comes from the top and it is never suomoto from, from the point of view of the police. So no, I don't agree with the 12-hour questioning, but my question is, you know, what, what Arnab's conduct has been in in the larger scene of things and what what should be done about it of course not 12 hour questioning but there has to be something that there has to be some measure we we can't just keep talking about freedom of speech and not talk about right to life of people uh, the you know he's endangering lives according to me and what about that 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 is essentially my question right miraj what is your take first thing about the questioning i think i mean harassment obviously but that is because the police in this country is designed to do that it's meant to harass people. It, it isn't meant to serve people. Hmm. Another thing is, I don't think it's a freedom of speech issue to begin with. Freedom of speech is, I disagree with you, I agree with you, I say something that's not acceptable to the government or to somebody else, that's freedom of speech. Going on TV and lying, blatantly lying, criminalizing an incident, not just, and this isn't just about Sonia Gandhi, for example, saying that she was ordered by... She, Vatican or Vatican Italy or, something. or Whatever, all those insinuations couple of days before he had said all those migrants who had assembled in Bandra, they were paid actors. Mm. Based on what? Zero. That is not freedom of speech. That's lying. So that is criminality. So basically that comes under inciting inciting violence. That's That comes under uh, disturbing public order. So I don't know why this has become a freedom of speech issue in the first place. What the freedom of speech issue is what Manisha was talking about earlier. These Jamia students who have been arrested. This Safura Zargar, she is three months pregnant and she has been thrown in jail under UAPA, under her own anti-terror charge. Why? Because she protested. That is a freedom of speech issue. She disagreed with the government decision. Arnab is inciting violence. He's inciting criminalism. That's not a freedom of speech issue. That's an issue of criminality. Manisha? It's a minefield issue, actually. But I think there are two aspects to it. One is what he said about Sonia Gandhi, where he basically said that she's uh, lynched people at the behest of handlers in Italy. That's exactly what he said, without any dog whistles. That's a problem. Uh, that's an issue that I think Sonia Gandhi should have dealt with and Congress should have dealt with as a party with Arnab Goswami. It should have been a you know personal, like either a civil suit. I'm not for criminal defamation, but I think this should have been dealt with a uh, civil defamation case. And Congress, instead of filing 100 cases in Chhattisgarh, Sonia Gandhi could have just come and said, the like Shashi Tharoor did when he accused hmm. him of murdering Sunanda. You file a civil suit and say that, boss, you're defaming me, you're uh, attributing motives, you're calling me a murderer. So, you know, I'm going to... So that's, I think, a private... It should have been treated as a private case between a political party and a news anchor or a politician and news anchor. The second aspect and the more disturbing, bigger aspect of this is that Palghar, you should reach Pratik's report, um, Pratik Goel of News Laundry. This was a crime that was, that was the reason of rumours on WhatsApp. For two weeks, there were rumours on WhatsApp that led to a heinous crime. And here you have a guy on primetime television who's peddling more rumours. Mm. We've already seen deaths... There are more rumours and more lies that he's peddled of saying that Hindu sadhus are in danger, that Hindu sadhus are being killed, that Hindus cannot live, you know, freely in India, that we are under attack. This sort of thinking caused another reaction of violence. You know, you could have... And he says, ki padri ko mara to, uh, aisa hota, imam ko mara to kya hota. This blatant communalization has to be dealt with. I think there has to be laws that deal with it. I don't know if inciting communal passions or promoting public enmity or enmity between public can adequately deal with it. But it's time we start figuring out how to deal with this sort of speech. It can't be protected under free speech because we've seen murders because of this. Uh, Abhinandan, in response to uh, Manisha's suggestion that Sonia Gandhi should have filed a, a case herself, 
I just want to explain the Congress Party's point of view. I'm not speaking for them, but my experience in covering them for, I don't know, a million years, is that they, her advisors would have told her, do not stoop to this Arnab's level. You're too big. You're the queen. Ho. Yeah. Hmm. So for her to do what Manisha is suggesting, which any other right-thinking person on their own would decide to do, she, this would be like you are bringing yourself fighting and give, you're giving him a fellow like that, you're giving him too much importance by linking your name to him and filing a case against him. So therefore, all the lackeys have to do it. Hmm. I guess, and yeah. And there is another thing we need to keep in mind. Doesn't matter even if they file another thousand FIRs against him, absolutely nothing is going to happen to him. The mm. information and broadcasting minister himself came out in defense of Arnab Goswami. Even Fadnavis met the governor. It doesn't matter if it's a <laughs> Congress government, it's a BJP government. People like these, if you know the history of India, they are not held accountable. Big, exactly. I think this has many overlaps. One is what, like Manisha said, there are laws that if you are forwarding fake news on WhatsApp, there are actually laws for that. Maharashtra specifically has a law where the administrator of a WhatsApp group is culpable or liable to, you know, action Not against. Not a law, actually. It's a random statement by a policeman, uh, by the senior police official saying that if you do not, do this. yeah, if you do not monitor what's going on in the group, and that is also very unfair. The the sort of thing that Maharashtra police is coming up with, because in a in a WhatsApp group, we can have up to two fifty six administrators who exactly. all are using address. Okay, but but the bit about forwarding fake news, there is a law against that? There is a specific law dealing yeah. with just that? No, or? no, there is no specific law about, about misinformation. Everybody who's booked, who's being booked, they're booked under, you know, sort of uh, this 153 AB or whatever that is, that is uh, to do with, you know, disturbing religious... Disturbing peace and mm. harmony, okay. That Promoting was, communal yeah, There's no specific between... uh, law around misinformation. In India. So I think one thing is that because of the power of media organizations... You know, if you say something that's outright fake, which he did, he accused her of having engineered a murder. Hmm. Now, that is bizarre. That is ridiculous. Of course, I think they have to file a case and they should have done it in the, you know, sensible way that, that Manisha and Madhu suggested. Now, when one stands up for him as a journalist, I mean, you know, th this is why the Arnab case becomes so specific that many of the people who have disliked him or have been standing for journalism or news are caught flat-footed that they feel compelled that we have to, you know, black and white say, no, I stand for Arnab, I stand with Arnab because they want to see a, be, a, be seen as fair or because they kind of want to pander to the Twitter mobs. Now, this is not that simple a case. A, I have not considered him a journalist. He runs something between, you know, fact-based, non-fiction programming, going into a reality show, going into fiction. He operates in that zone. It's a different genre. It's a different thing that he's part of the Editor's Guild or he's you know, considers himself news, but that is not, strictly speaking, what he does. And I say this in all seriousness, not, I mean, he runs a reality show at night. Mm. It's a two-hour reality show that he runs. It's like a big boss. So in that space, where does he stand as a news professional? So are we standing up for news and the ethics of news and the freedom of news? Or are we standing up for a person who may be horrible and reprehensible, but must be allowed to say what he or she wants? So you see, when people, when news professionals get into this, that separation goes. Then I will not club this guy in the same bucket as, you know, many other journalists who are locked up for reporting a story that is factual. Mm. It's not the same thing. And also you cannot ignore that he has sat on prime time and advocated locking up journalists, locking up students, and also banning a television channel. He has done that. And yeah, thirdly, thirdly, 
I think, like Mehraj said in a little more sophisticated way, a battle where I have taken on a state government, but the ruling party in the center has my back, is not a battle of underdog versus XYZ. It is a straight up political battle. And journalists forget that they are dispensable pawns. And I think Arnab will also realize that with time. That you can be used as a pawn by two political parties. But five years down the line, if shit is different, you are going to be abandoned so quickly, you won't even know what hit you. But right now, it is not a journalist against a party. It is a party against a party. And you are the fulcrum of that. That separation has to be made clear. It is not a party going after a journalist. It is a party going after another party using this journalist. Because he is that establishment. So, given all that, I would say, so I think that has to be made clear. Yeah. 12 hours questioning is a misuse of state power. It is something that should be condemned. Not because he's a journalist, because he's not. But because this kind of power is misused too often and we look away. So that, it's, it's like you cannot torture anyone no matter how horrible he be. I agree with you, but just one point I'd like to disagree with is, I mean, I hear this a lot, like Arnab, Sudhir and the rest of them, they're not journalists. That presumes that journalists are not capable of what they are doing. I mean, if we look through the history, every, I mean, in Germany, in Rwanda, it was journalists who did that. So they are journalists. It's the same fallacy. I mean, the no true Scotsman no, fa- uh, fallacy. You don't have to call them journalists. They could be called propagandists. No, what I'm saying is, I mean, they are still journalists. They work in that field. They are journalists. It's the journalists who yeah, sure, that, led that, the... Uh, that, yeah, we as, can describe as, them no, as that. terminology, that may be fine. Yeah. But I don't want that to be confused that me standing up for him is standing up for journalism. I'm not standing up for I, journalism I, I, because I, I, I don't believe he does journalism. Yes, yes. Because absolutely, journalism, absolutely. It, by definition, is purveyors of news. All right? This guy is not purveying news. They, they, like in Rwanda, like in Germany, they were the purveyors of propaganda. So at best, he could be called a propagandist. You can't call him a journalist because he's using the same medium. That's like calling uh, somebody who's doing a reality show on, on a talent show. A also. documentary filmmaker. No, it, it's not It's not the same. But, and, and, but, and for many years, this question has come up of uh, licensing journalists and having like the law, like lawyers have an association where you could be barred or whatever. I think I've always supported that journalists should have licenses to function. Well, I actually don't agree with that, but I get what you're saying. What you're saying is for the general public, there is no difference in him as a journalist and other journalists. Exactly. I get that, yeah. yeah. And but, also, now there's no journalist anything. So it's a free-for-all. So journalism, that term, a journalist has become like a PPE cover. You can cover yourself with protection and say, I'm a journalist and say anything. And you yeah. could be a full propagandist. No, so that's I a think problem. there's a big difference between a journalist and a propagandist. True, but the thing is, I mean, a journalist can be a propagandist, a politician can be a propagandist, a communications professional can be a propagandist, a doctor, a lawyer can be a propagandist. So if he is, because his credibility only comes because he is a sure, journalist. I get, I get what yeah. you're saying, but in the context of me standing up for him, I, yes, yes, I make yes, it a point course. to make that distinction. I'm not standing up for journalism. Indeed, that indeed, of course, of course, yeah. I think you've unpacked that pretty well. Mm. So, um, very good, very good. Are you standing up for him? I'm standing up for, I I would condemn the questioning. I don't think there is any 12-hour questioning to be done. You don't but, know what they know. Yeah, yeah, maybe, but I would say that I know as much as I do about other cases that I comment on. And knowing that much about others, I would say that there is 
no reason to question anyone for 12 hours unless there is some major i mean maybe i might be surprised also what he said is on air in public na so they don't really need to like they could have just watched no, it and then called him up no but madhu saying is we don't know what they're questioning him about now uh, i just like to move on from this to a couple of issues but i would like to talk a little bit about the two people who left us but before that on some fake news busting regarding covid pratik i'd like to come to you on that a couple yeah. of announcements first we have a bunch of new podcasts we've launched one is news laundry versus news laundry which is a part of the nl conversations channel so whatever podcast platform you listen to your podcasts on check out nl conversations and nl versus nl is debates that we within the news laundry team have with each other because we disagree with each other on a lot of things as those of you who've been listening to the hafta for years know the last one was me and mehraj arguing about whether soldiers in the army should have the right or the privilege to speak publicly on issues that they agree or disagree with um, including political statements uh, so you can check that out this we are going to extend to news laundry subscribers because we have many subscribers who are very articulate and have thoughts on a bunch of things they disagree with each other often with us so we will get them into this fold so there'll be nl versus nl with subscriber versus one of us or subscriber versus subscriber we'll pair you up so fill out the form that has been sent to you on the issues that we have asked and you can also be a part of nl versus nl we've started also a travel podcast in the lockdown period because if you can't get to the highway we will bring the highway to you rocky mayur prashant and i bring you tales of travel of 10 years of making travel shows around the country and even overseas so you can get a peek into what it's like out there also please when you're writing to us at contact@newslaundry.com write hafta in the subject line so we know that letter belongs to hafta cuz so many mails come in you know and we have some several shows it's just easier to find those mails now finally um pratik regarding covid there is a sudden attention on fake news in fact i was invited on a webinar which have become so trendy these days on um fake news to do with covid i actually want to ask has your workload gone up are covid related fake news suddenly spiking or is it communal fake news which covid is using or are people actually circulating or is i mean is it news related to the cures of covid or how to stay away from covid or is covid fake news means the usual shit but now covid is the tool used so uh, my work has definitely increased the team's work has increased and uh, misinformation has already also spiked but there have been varying patterns uh, when it was when the epidemic was limited to china then most of the misinformation was about the chinese state for example one of the most viral videos that we debunked was about how chinese police officer shooting down uh, covid positive patients and there was this video where four different four unrelated video clips had been combined to claim that chinese police police officer shooting down covid positive patients then when the epidemic reached the indian shores to start with it was a lot of medical misinformation so we published a bunch of stories on alt news science and dr sumesh i think she's been on an end of hafta before i think or some some uh, news round report cuz i don't know which yeah she which was on for nl charcha and she was on for newsons also right so so uh, alt news science debunked a bunch of uh, misinformation about you know uh, claims that indians have higher immunity and which is why it is going to protect them from coronavirus or what ayush ministry put out claiming that a homeopathic drug called arsenicum album 30 is going to have a prophylactic effect and things like that so that was the trend uh, around janta curfew there were a bunch of videos claiming that why you should be home well it is true that there have been terrible cases of casualties around the world but uh, different images and videos were which were unrelated to coronavirus were used to claim that this is why you should stay at home and then uh, 
31st, around March 31st, when the whole uh, Tablighi Jamaat issue became the main thing, the, sh the focus shifted to Tablighi Jamaat and how uh, it was all communal misinformation after that. So the, for the past uh, 30 days, it has been a majority of communal misinformation. And regarding your original question as to whether COVID is being used as a tool or not, we have seen spikes of misinformation every time there has been something which has grabbed the national attention. So whether it is Balakot, whether it is CNRC, whether it is Kashmir, every time there's something which, which sort of involves the emotions of people at large, we have always seen spikes of misinformation because those who produce disinformation, they know that you know, it is the most effective time to produce disinformation because people tend to consume anything that is put forward, especially if it agrees, if it sort of adheres to a belief or ideology that they believe in. And an emotional issue, I guess. Yeah. Right, right. So Pratik so, is basically also uh, when there is an element of fear amongst people and there is a lack of uh, information, although I don't see a lack of information at this point in on COVID because uh, journalists are putting it out there, the figures are out there, and uh, also the puzzling thing of why the death rate is... Uh, low. So this is something I, I think maybe you can address also, Pratik, that people are not believing that the death, death rate in India that is so low is true. And uh, B, uh, BBC and Daily Mail, a couple of uh, British papers have uh, written that it's because a lot of people, Indians die in their homes. And uh, so that it's not, deaths are not registered. But the fact is they might die on their homes, but the Shamshan Bhumis and the cemeteries where they are buried, that is recorded. So uh, my question is that, do you believe the death rate? That's one question. And the second is that, why do people spend so much time making such elaborate fake news? <laughs> what benefit is there? Like, it's so elaborately put together. Must be monetary, no? It is not, I mean, directly monetary. Okay, so uh, three questions. Number one, regarding Madhu's claim that journalists are putting out information and why are people still falling for misinformation? Uh, I think the issue is that of chaos of information. There's too much information coming uh, in through WhatsApp, through different channels. And even the information that uh, news channels are putting out, for example, uh, Baba Ramdev apparently was on a Aztec show a couple of days ago and he's He's made various claims about, you know, breathing exercises which can help you from not contracting coronavirus, etc. So, so media channels are also becoming megaphones for these false claims, these unscientific claims. So it is not enough just to occasionally put out right information. It is also very important to filter out all the misinformation that they are putting out. For example, uh, this case of, it started with this arsenic album 30, Ayush Ministry, claiming that arsenic album 30 can be used as, as a prophylactic measure. And every news channel, every media channel put out that without any disclaimer that it actually doesn't work. So that is problem number one. Uh, problem number two, the question as to uh, why do people make such elaborate misinformation? It is not coincidental that we have fake news. If you look at the pattern of misinformation, people trying finding videos which are as old as two years or four years old or photos which are two years or four, four years old and claiming that they represent an event in the present 
it is not coincidental it is not that they suddenly stumble upon these videos and photos and think that hey this represents covid or hey this represents what happened in balakot or hey this represents the situation in kashmir they very well know that it doesn't represent and they put it out with a twisted narrative to create these false narratives in the society so at this point in time we have debunked multiple videos where it is being claimed that that uh, the muslim community is knowingly spreading coronavirus for example we we debunked the video of a sufi ritual which is a video which is 2 years old where people are doing some act you know in multiple people are doing a act in coordination and it is claimed that they are sneezing to spread coronavirus there's another 2 year old video of bohra muslims that that we debunked where it is being claimed that you can see bunch of young muslim men licking on plates and spoons and apparently it's a tradition to not waste food and sort of an extreme sort of a tradition i would say but again that is being circulated a 2 year old video is being circulated claiming that this is an attempt to spread coronavirus and the story goes on and on so it is not that people are you know suddenly discovering this people are looking for these things there there is there are a bunch of people i don't know who that bunch of people is but there are a bunch of people who are looking for things which they can put out to malign a community and it is all a very well organized effort if you look at the way it is distributed across whatsapp groups across anonymous twitter profiles with uh, followings in hundreds of thousands see i think the one that is political in nature clearly has an agenda which is funded by political parties it is a you know very well oiled machinery we've kind of done a piece on the machinery but the content that they put out i cannot prove it but i know enough to know that politicians are making it when the cpi or cpm rate whatever you want to call it the clicks per million or clicks per index rate of online websites was reasonable today i don't know it's for 12 or 15 rupees per 1000 uh, there was a time it was in the hundreds in the us i don't know what it is in fact i've recommended a podcast from uh, trump's first election when hillary and trump was you know running against it the run up to that there was a guy running it his motivation was completely monetary because his website would get a lot of hits because he'd be putting out that fake news about hillary's caught in this scandal that scandal some child sex prostitution and what not and he would get he would be he'd be making anything from you know 8 to 20000 dollars a month now today the traffic is lower the you know the cpm cpi rates are lower and, and i'm sure google has other devices i mean that was like 3 4 years ago so i don't know if there is still a monetary component in india but that is there only if you have a website if you're just doing it on whatsapp then there's no monetary component either so yeah yeah so that. regarding that so i think the the pattern of misinformation has changed uh, when we first started uh, so the the thing that you're referring to is are these websites which started in macedonia where these bunch of kids started anti hillary pro trump websites and they made a lot of money through google adsense and uh, a similar trend started in india in 2015 for example there was a website called hindutva.info and we have this guy on record saying in a video uh, saying that how much money he used to make from ads not just necessarily from google adsense but there are various other ad agencies which you know are okay putting uh, but but the trend has changed now this uh, because uh, for example after a couple of stories that alt news did karnataka police went and arrested this guy called mahesh vikram hegde who runs postcard.in right and uh, although i don't agree with the arrest per se but they also used to make a lot of money i i know of this 20 year old boy uh, again a story which we had done about 2 years ago living in jharkhand uh, who used to make 40000 rupees a month just by putting out these kind of 
these kind of stories. So that used to happen, but but the trend has changed now because also because the rates have gone right. Rates, yes, rock rates bottom. have gone I mean, you, down. You'll, you'll need to get hits by the like dozens of millions to be able to make the kind of money you could make five years ago. Yes, rates have gone down, and secondly, they're also afraid that there will be punitive action against them. So uh, right now, whatever propaganda you see, it is not in form of websites. You don't have a Breitbart. I mean, if, unless you want to call Republic the Breitbart, but you don't have the you know equivalent of misinformation websites that U.S. has because U.S. in the U.S. you're protected by the First Amendment. Uh, in India, right now, the misinformation is majorly targeted at at the WhatsApp janta, and uh, that is not uh, that is not. There is a monetary aspect. I am 100% sure that there is a monetary aspect, but it is not through the traditional means of monetizing content. That is, you know, you Google AdSense or whatever. I think the political parties are spending money. Yeah, to... I mean, that is a, you know, well-oiled infrastructure. That's like their marketing and advertising arm. But this is a good time for me to quickly segue into, you know, what we're talking about, that as long as ads are funding news, this problem will exist of getting as many hits as possible. We recently put out this short of the Times of India website, which had these three images of some reality show called Something in Ayat, who had put raunchy photographs of her, you know, butt on Insta and there was some action taken. So they were reporting that action has been taken against her and the image that accompanied that report was that image. Next to that, there was an image of Rakhi Savant sets the summer on fire in a bikini. Then there was a story about COVID and then the fourth story was Sunny Leon sets summer on fire. So why do they do that? Why are two story, COVID stories squeezed between four scantily dressed women? Because that image will get you hits. And with the CPI rates going to the bottom that they are, you need more and more bottoms to raise that bottom. Do you get it? I've, so, therefore... Yeah, 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 yeah. This is like Shekhar Gupta's tomorrow. <laughs> this is like Shekhar Gupta's tomorrow. So, therefore, pay to keep news free because when the public pays, the public is served. When advertisers pay, advertisers are served and those who want to put out raunchy photographs are served. So, do go to newsline.com, click on the top right-hand corner and pay to keep news free. Thousands of you do. It will be great if a few thousand more do because it is going to be a difficult time for news this year and the next. And you need all the independent news you can get. Good time for you, Prateek, also to tell us how our, our subscribers can also participate in busting fake news. Tell them how to go about it. Altnews.in slash donate page or, you know, there's a donate button there. And same, uh, not a single Altnews article has any ads. So we... Uh, we don't have ads in the Google AdSense or anything. Uh, yes. First, because they pay pittance. And secondly, it spoils the reading experience. It, it's just not worth it. And, and it kills uh, your product, yeah? Yeah, it you kills your product. You can't say that we are not yeah. supported by ads and say, oh, they are Google AdSense there. So yeah, yes. I completely agree. So guys, support such enterprise because if you don't, there's a very good article about finally, uska paisa aapke se mil if you think that Arnab Varnab ke ads are going to ads or full page wale, वो कहीं से और से आ रहे हैं वो भी आपकी पॉकेट से आ रहे हैं वैसे तो अगर आप ऑनेस्ट न्यूज़ को सपोर्ट करने लगेंगे तो फिर आप बोल सकते हैं जी ये वो ऐड बंद कर दो हां बोलिए अभिनंदन आई जस्ट हैव वन क्विक क्वेश्चन टू प्रतीक एंड एनीवन एंड एंड बोथ ऑफ यू आल्सो ओके ही स्पोकन अबाउट द फाइनेंशियल गेन फॉर फ्लोटिंग फेक न्यूज़ बट हाउ डू यू एक्सप्लेन फेक न्यूज़ दैट इज क्रिएटेड ऑन व्हाट्सएप व्हिच हैज नो एडवर्टाइजिंग और नो पर्सनल गेन but totally fake. Like there was somebody who made a recording saying this is Dr. Naresh Trehan from Medanta giving COVID advice and made a completely fake recording of his voice. So yeah, I also got what that. Is the purpose of that. Then there are 
there on Twitter, there was one guy who made a long thread, which was complete fiction on uh, the financial backings of India today, which were completely absolute lies. And total. now, how did he benefit from that? So not, two, how do you benefit? No, so uh, I mean, you can't focus on individual users. Yes, everybody now, now and then puts out fiction for whatever reason they, you know, they think they want to. Not everything is financially backed, but the larger model is, I mean, yes, there can be an audio clip. For example, there was this guy who, who went to some monument in UK and stood there, started his camera and said that, that the Gandhi family owns this monument. And it is a very, very famous monument. No, it is not because uh, that person is being paid or some, something. So not every piece of misinformation that comes out, you know, uh, has monetary backing. There's also, we are also living in highly polarized times and people do put out these things. I mean, sometimes it is not even for the reason to put out misinformation. We, we did a story three, four days back where uh, this fruit vendor in Bijnor was accused of uh, spraying urine on bananas. And there was, it was just that people were, for, he looked Muslim and people, you know, he went to the side of a road to, to pee, came back to his, uh, and he had this bottle uh, using which he washed himself and came back and put the bottle on his, on his cart. And they said that he's carrying urine and he's spreading this, you know, sprinkling this urine on banana. So there's also a very heightened sense of things where, because you put out misinformation, people fall for it. And in this particular case, there are so many fruit vendors who are being attacked. Muslim fruit vendors, and in this case, they thought that he's put, you know, sprinkling urine on it because that is the rumor in the market. So, in fact, this is this is where at a meta level, Madhu, mm -hmm. I'll come to your question. One is, I think what you're saying now, people are using different technologies. I'm sure PR companies do that, corporate rivals do that to run down the other. Uh, earlier, they used to plant stories in newspapers. Now they'll plant WhatsApp forwards. I think that is happening even as we speak, and it could be ideologically driven. But the metaness of why would someone spread fake news, you know, you, you can understand his motivation just as soon as you understand the motivation of someone who would sprinkle his fruit with pee. Because what gain could come out of that? <laughs> there could be no monetary gain, ji. <laughs> mere, mere fruit zyada sundar smell karte no, that is not happening. Kya isse zyada sehat hoti hai, no, that is not happening. So you see, both the motivations are, we are living in the twilight zone where nothing makes sense. I think so, there is also, I mean, to an extent, I don't know, I mean, I'm just guessing here, like the base human motivations, as in, like you have human vanity. So you think if you put up some fake thing here, sure. you'll yeah. get some likes yeah. on sure. social yeah, exactly. media. Vanity Jobia, is also a lot of people like will talk to you and all that. To be Maybe that's also part of it. Somewhere. So um, I just want to read these two emails after which I want to just come back and get the panel's view on the two stars we lost. Um, I had a question for Pratik. Yes, the after this mail, okay. you can ask quick one. Pratik the quick question. This first mail is from Prabjot Juneja. Prabjot says, I'm a long-time New Zealand subscriber. Burrah, I belong to the usual audience segment, foreign resident, research background, PhD, postdoc in medical physics. Wow. Ek all oh our God. <laughs> subscribers are so highly uh, educated that I there's too much pressure on us to sound smart then. Postdoc in medical physics, I don't even know. Or maybe know they come to us means. like we are the Salman Khan movie. <laughs> We are the Salman Khan movie to break there. Because they are working, they are doing such intelligence. So just come, chalo, chalo, maze karne ke liye hafta sunte hain. Or maybe they're all liars. <laughs> they're just making us feel yeah, shitty. Yeah, let's just feel good about ourselves. No, nobody would lie about being postdoc in medical physics. I mean, that has to be something. <laughs> so I've been meaning to write a long time, but life kept happening. In times of COVID, my life has entered the quiescence phase. 
quiescence phase. That's a medical term. Okay. Like most of your audience, I feel part of the crew, especially NL Hafta and Awful and Awesome. I love all of you, even though at times I cringe at Anand and Madhu's comments. Sometimes you make him cringe, Madhu. I recently came across a Greek philosophy, three sequentially arranged words, ethos, pathos and logos, which made me realize that the structure style makes a presentation and discussion very palatable, even when there are extreme views. I wonder if a similar, similar structure is taught in journalism school as best practice. I have a few suggestions. It would be great if you can do an investigation or story on the journey of some Indian anchors to Looney Land. Mm, can you add links to places, shops to Homp podcast? Okay, we'll start doing that. In fact, we're planning to have a more detailed newsletters to give you details of where you can stop when, when you can get out. Then can you start a book club type podcast, a monthly, where possible authors can join? Uh, can you give an opportunity to subscribers to own a part of News Laundry? And I would love to pr promote News Laundry to my friends. You can help me by providing some promotional branding material like short articles, video clips. Prabhjo, thank you so much for your support. We are touched that you feel, you know, part of the crew that you actually want to go a step further and help spread our word. I shall get back in touch with you. I promise I shall mail you and we shall take this forward. As far as uh, getting... Um, Opportunities to subscribe to own a part of News Laundry. Yes, that is going to happen. I announced on the Hafta we will be restructuring in a way that we want to set the misal of transparent ownership and how media companies can be structured where everybody has a piece of them. So therefore they stay in check. And also we are going to be doing a piece on, uh, you know, the long pending NL Sena project. Uh, who owns your media? So we will be showing you who owns your media. So A, it can be a credible source so that the kind of thing that Madhu is saying that people are saying India today ka pata nahi kya kya hai. We will first put out news laundries. Then we shall show you all the others. We'll start with three, I think, next week. And then every week we'll show you two, two more. So that there is clarity of who owns media. So, you know, A, if there are compromise of governments or, or political parties owning media houses, you know that also. And otherwise, it, there is a transparency. So thank you, Prabhjot. I will be in touch with you for the offers you've made. And Harsh says... Hi, Hafta team. Love your work. Want to point your attention to Arogya Setu app. Government agencies have been pushing for adopting this app. Below is an email from the railways. There are news reports that the app could be mandatory for metro and airports when lockdown is lifted. Even Zomato has made it mandatory. Yeah, that's crazy. Ma what I do you mean? For report. its employees? Yeah. Okay. There are data privacy concerns about this app and he's linked to an uh, article in the Hindu. Can the government make a public good contingent on sharing my data all the time? It would be interesting if such compulsions are applied for all other government services. We would not want this to become like Aadhaar. Get it or get lost. Okay, so we'll discuss this after you asked your question to Prateek. But I want to discuss this whole thing. Because I'm on the fence on this, surprisingly. But Manisha, you had a question for Prateek? Uh, no, so uh, yeah, I just want to ask Prateek. And this I ask as someone who watches a lot of television news. Which means not consuming, I mean at least consuming a lot of propaganda. And what happens when you do that is, you know, often you're taken on by this feeling of paralysis. You feel like... You're just consuming so much violence or propaganda that you feel like the work that you do is not going to have any impact. And I know it must be in 200 for guys who are doing fact-checking because you're consuming violent videos, hateful messaging, you know, deliberate kind of uh, awful things being said about, you know, various communities. So I wanted to basically get from you the psychological impact of fact-checking because you guys as a team as fa fact-checkers must be consuming a lot of graphic content, a lot of misinformation, a lot of hateful propaganda and you know fact checking that on a daily basis so obviously I mean, do you guys ever feel that shit we're, we're fact checking but we don't even you know who it's reaching out to do you feel you need <laughs> a shrink 
is there a psychological impact it, that you can see yeah and and does it affect i mean how do you guys like stay above it no i think it definitely and your team also us. i mean you have a young team which probably is consuming all of this on a daily basis yes the team is very young and it definitely affects us in fact manisha i have messaged you you know privately how do you watch so much arnav you know so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so yes it it definitely affects us and time to time i know all of us go through lows uh, time to time i mean just three four days back it was just you know the story that i was talking about about this paralyzed man dropping a couple of notes and you know an fir being filed against him for dropping notes to spread coronavirus when he was never tested how can he launch a, a conspiracy when he was he doesn't himself know that he he is covid positive yeah that was he crazy is, yeah that and was he was not covid that. positive definitely so uh, uh, these kind of things and then of course opinia writing an article about how they spoke to the police and the police confirmed that uh, two out of his five fingers worked so how could he possibly drop a note because he has he still has two functional fingers and that was wow. opinia's counterfactual to alpine's factual and uh, so uh, yes it it affects all of us how do we stay above i i don't think we we uh, have figured out the alpine science editor dr sumya shekh she is a neuroscientist uh, so uh, we do speak about this internally i know a couple of colleagues we trying to come up with this policy where we speak about this on at least a biannual basis uh, with the relevant professionals there i had written recently put out a post as to how much graphic content that we consume we it's not just about consuming graphic content it is about watching it frame by frame again and again there yeah. are videos of people being killed people blood everywhere and to find that one single uh, billboard to read what is on that one single billboard we have to watch it again frame by frame and frame by frame and uh, i have i know members of the alpine team have complained that they be, they become numb to violence and things like that but what effect it is having on us we don't know we know it is having an effect but uh, till the time we get a proper sort of review from from a relevant professional we don't know what what exactly what effect it is having on us right it can certainly be very depressing no it can sure. i mean I, i remember watching this one video of um, these women in some country in i think it was in southern africa um being set on fire for being witches Yotemala. i was i mean i couldn't even watch the whole thing yeah. because i couldn't believe it's happening and the, the like one of them was laughing i think even she couldn't believe it's happening she was so old and uh, the claim anyway. was that this no, is happening in hyderabad the claim was this is happening in hyderabad uh, it was also used as part of misinformation it was in fact one of the first first stories that orkins did in 2017 where it was claimed that uh, a woman in hyderabad marwadi woman in hyderabad was set to fire for not wearing a burqa but yeah i i know exactly which video you're talking about yeah, yeah and lynchings i mean you, he's very, also watching so many videos of lynchings but or, i think you know. the one thing that is good at least is that mainstream channels have stopped showing it i remember i had written a column on this on ndtv.com where i saw an image of you know children like stamping on the face of a man as a cop was tying him up to the motorcycle and taking him around at least channels don't show it but anymore but then mainstream channels are peddling so much hate and propaganda that watching that i mean i feel really really sometimes i really do feel like shit so i'm wondering like what is what are, what's happening to people yeah, at large who consuming this desensitized to an extent but okay let me come to this madhu let me start with you now this arogya setu app i'll just set the context for our audience so that they know where i'm coming from so i'm just making sure i'm shown in good like china basically could bring down the one case to just i think three or four active cases that they have now and no new cases officially officially yeah but they use this basically technology where everyone they knew where everybody was going who they were in touch with so you were given a green yellow orange green whatever rating 
So Arege Setu kind of does that. It tracks your movement and it will tell you, have you been in touch with anybody who has been tested corona positive? So yes, I guess it is an invasion of privacy because it tracks your movement, assuming you're carrying your mobile phone everywhere you go. And it has demonstrated, it is demonstrably a good way to control the spread of the virus. Now making it mandatory to download for any employee, okay, you know, we can talk about that. But I mean, I don't think it's such an easy liberty versus government, you know, control over you choice in today's circumstance. I mean, if Corona wasn't on it, it would be very easy choice for me. But today I'm not so sure. Madhu, where do you stand on this? Well, I think uh, quite a few uh, articles have been written on this that uh, the Modi government is uh, moving in a direction with just not COVID in mind alone and in some sense taking advantage of the situation. But of course, I think, as you're saying, uh, again, now you come into two minds because it would be uh, very useful in terms of uh, technology to be able to track people and warn them if they are, are near someone who has COVID and all that. So I think if ideally it should have been, ideally it should have been that we put it in and then say within six months or a year, it expires and then let's start again. So I think to have it on us for the rest of our lives is a bit of a stretch. Mehraj, what is your view? From all that I have uh, heard from uh, read from experts and heard otherwise is the best way to do surveillance for coronavirus is to do testing. Targeted, rapid, like extensive testing. That's not been happening. This thing, I mean, there are practical problems also. I mean, apart from the privacy problems is most of the, uh, a lot of people are not coming forward to say that they're, they have symptoms or they're positive because of what is happening in quarantine centers and a lot of other things that another problem is once you are in in a lockdown i mean this app sort of doesn't make sense because if you are in lockdown you are not going out and there's no point to do that and even if this was necessary the problem is that they have made it so opaque there's no transparency around it you don't know what the data is being used for where it's being stored who has access to it so if it is that important in a democracy china can do that because they don't have democracy. They don't care either way. But if you are in a democracy, these things should be out in the open. This is what we are doing with this. This is the data. This is who is going to use it. This is how it's going to be used. It's as simple as that. Manisha? So I'd ask this question to Toma Puyayo. You know that guy who wrote that Medium post, really long one, Silicon Valley entrepreneur. He said that basically whatever tech you have, you've got to use it at your... Whatever tech you have at your disposal, you have to use it right now to effectively. Because uh, dictators will any fine anyway find other ways of ushering towards dictatorship so which I kind of agree with but in this case there are lots of questions around this app one is that we don't know which ministry is going to have access to our information so if it's a health ministry thing at least it should be at least it should be clear that this data is you know health professionals are going to come together and access this data so, you know basics are not really clear about it and for a Zomato or private company to make it mandatory for all their uh, you know private whatever party partners to download it that I think is a bit much I don't understand Zomato's random entry in this. So our producer, Aditya, just forwarded me an article which was uploaded on the 29th. Is today the 29th? 30th. 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 Yesterday. So yesterday, it's from the Mint. Government's Arogya Setu app to be installed on smartphones by default. So the government of India has approached, some, according to sources, some smartphone manufacturers that this should be in your walled garden. Walled garden, what is Pratik? 
नहीं ऐसा तो कुछ स्पेसिफिक टर्म नहीं है this will be pre-installed and you can't uninstall those apps some of them some you can but some of them you can't so apparently that is what the government is moving towards but the companies could not do it because production was halted but with the lockdown easing apparently the companies will start installing it uh, what do you think of this pratik as an idea is it effective is it a time where we can compromise on on, on privacy so um, having worked as a as a wireless engineer for 15 years so i would like to give sort of an engineering point of view as well so the way uh, this is being executed is using bluetooth that is you know if you close enough if you uh, detect a signal then then you're trying to figure out that because bluetooth is something which is called personal area network you have to figure out how far you are right for example if you are using wifi you can be even 20 meters away and still catch a wifi signal but that technology is not good enough because 20 meters away is not contact tracing you know if you're 20 meters away then what is the point of saying that this person was 20 meters away uh, so which is why there's a technology called BLE which stands for bluetooth low energy and i personally worked on it uh, that is the technology of choice which is for short distance where you figure out how you know but again it is not that short a distance uh, BLE is used in your watches on in your smart watches so let's say if you're swimming and your phone is away still your watch is able to connect to your phone not always at that point of time but eventually when you're close to your phone but it still has a decent amount of range so i don't know how successful they are going to be in terms of contact tracing in india because it is not necessary that uh, the person is uh, near enough to be qualified as somebody who who needs to be alerted that you were near a covid positive person and you need to quarantine yourself i mean th- there are basic issues with the technology itself but the problem here is also with how the government has how uh, successive governments and especially this government has dealt with data and how they abuse data we know the experience that we have had with aadhar so i there are friends who have messaged me saying that you know we are being forced to install this app and we don't want to install this app and that is where the issue is that when when people are being forced to install the app despite them having issues with it i see so what you're saying is that the stated objective cannot be achieved by this technology i'm not saying it cannot be achieved by this technology i'm saying that it will be an ex- access excess of data so for example if you want to i think the app will also pick up people who are more than 3 4 meters away see The I see okay I get it so so they're getting more data than they need to fight this particular corona danger all right so And it could also be also in china the app that china uh, has used for this they have a color code system which they put in hmm. which is green yellow and red so any person entering any area uh, any commercial complex or whatever you get they, an sms alert and stuff yeah right yeah so yeah so that uh, they have this color code thing that where you're allowed to go so a red person is not allowed access to certain places and whatever and on on a side thing there again can be misuse in this uh, one apparently print uh, did a story couple of days ago on how pakistani operatives in india have downloaded and created a fake app with aregya apk i think it's called dot apk and people have downloaded that and given all their details to this pakistani operators who have launched this fake aregya app 
I also think that we should stop looking at China as this great example of a country that managed to contain COVID. If anything, they bungled a lot and precisely because they're not a democracy. I think we should look at Taiwan, South Korea. Mm. These are democracies that handled it without putting into place. I'm not giving China as an example to follow. No, no, I'm saying in generally. Generally, I think we should, at, we should look at democracies that have been able to manage this uh, pandemic and we should learn from their examples. In India, this app is it's just like one of the symptoms. I mean, if you see the whole response of the Indian government to the this crisis, it's been like opaque. There's no transparency. Even that press conference, which was supposed to be daily, now they have reduced it to mm. four days a week. Journalists have been asked to send their questions through WhatsApp and they pick and choose. Right. And even when they get to get a question, direct question, I mean, not one single question has been answered directly so far. Yeah, I think that's not that's, one. That's, I mean, even the Donald Trump's press conferences are more informative. Yeah, the PM cares fund also. Nobody it's been declared that we we're no. not. It's not going to be tracked. Same and it will be, and it'll be audited by private auditors and not not. Uh, so so how that happened? Fair? I mean, this the best example is this rapid test thing they got. So there was this. It wouldn't have come out unless there was a case. So what happened is the ICMR, which is overseeing all of this testing and stuff, they ordered five lakh rapid test kits from China through private companies. One private company was supposed to import it, give it to another company that would give it to ICMR. So when the uh, case went to court, now they got, uh, they were supposed to get 5 lakh, they got 2.75 lakh hmm. and they gave it to states. Turns out they're faulty. Right. They didn't work. The states stopped, said we won't use that and now even the ICMR has said stop using them, we won't use them because they're faulty. And what happened is they gave these uh, contracts to these companies to get these uh, testing kits. So it turns out when the case went to Delhi High Court, they found that the cost of the kits, total cost of the kits, 5 lakh kits was 11.25 uh, crore plus with if you add the freight charges and extra, mm. it comes to around 12 crore or something, just ab about 12 crore. But the whole contract was for 30 crore. So there was a profit margin of 18.75 crore, right? All these things, and now it's fine. I mean, you can say this is like a time when you won't find equipment and all that. Sure. But the problem is nobody even knew this was happening. There was no transparency. Nobody knows who fixed the prices. Nobody mm. knows when the, whatever, the sure. auction happened. It only came out because it went to the high court. The same thing is happening with the PC, PCR test, the main standard test. So the government has, for the... Private labs, the government has capped the rate at uh, 4,500 bucks. Mm. The other day, uh, ICMR put out a tweet saying, no, the maximum rate is 1,100 some rupees. Mm. If that is the government's rate, how is the rate for the private labs 4,500? Maybe it costs that much. But there's nobody knows no how the rate was fixed. So basically nobody just knows who fixed the rate. Nobody knows on what basis. Nobody is giving the breakup. You ask the question to Low Agarwal, he is saying, we don't know it. Another thing, when this thing broke, every day, apart from Lava Agarwal, there's the Home Ministry representative, there's a representative from... For those who don't know, Lava Agarwal is the Secretary, uh, Joint Secretary, Joint Secretary Ministry of Health. Hmm. There is a representative for, uh, from ICMR also there at the press conference every day. The day this High Court thing happened, since then the ICMR representative has been absent. So when the journalists ask the question, they just say, that guy is not here today, so we can't answer the question. I think yeah, it's deeply problematic how... You know, there is no transparency and no desire to also provide any. I think what is truly tragic is the expectation of the public that that is our right and we should know is not there in this country. And there, I think America does have it. If they don't get it, they ask questions that this we must know. Mm. Anyway, I have yeah, one I more. What is happening now is because of the urgency of getting these kids, the normal procedures of tenders and all that are being bypassed. Yeah. 
ఉంటుంది of who was given how it was given that person has been spoken to by npr the lady who is a government employee has been spoken to by npr the guy who said how i got it and how i charged for it has been spoken to yahan to koi bhi nahi milta office same thing happened i mean the government the solicitor general attorney general went to the supreme court like two days ago saying that there's no problem of migrants they are being fed there's no migrant mm. is on the road i mean that's a blatant lie yeah that i think the the, the premium on truthfulness is gone Okay um I'm going to get to a couple of mails and then get to you know the wind up and about what happened in Bollywood but Pratik uh, since you've spared us over an hour of your time thank you before you go could you tell us some recommendation that would enrich the lives of our listeners I would say there is a short course by a website called pointer.com look for short course misinformation p o y n t r.com that is a course where you can teach yourself how to fact check at least basic things you know a lot of fact checking you don't we do some fact checking which is advanced but most of the fact checking is very simple and if you want to uh, sort of save yourself from misinformation i highly recommend people doing that course look up what is reverse image search there are two things google reverse image search and yandex reverse image search look at look up what that is and there's a uh, all of you should install a software called invid i n v i d look up invid fake news detector or something like that Uh, you can install that as an extension on your browsers and upload videos there and then try and what it does is it breaks the videos into frames individual frames which you can then do reverse image search to find whether uh, these are old videos or not and if old videos are being used uh, as part of misinformation i think uh, fact checking is is a very important skill and it should not be the domain of a few all of us need to have certain basic fact checking skills simple skills which can be done in 5 to 10 minutes and um, that is what i think all of us should be doing learning the basic skills it is as important as driving or swimming or anything well that's useful thanks so much pratik appreciate it good luck with your fact checking thank you for the service you're doing guys do contribute to pratik's not for profit called altnews.in because he doesn't take ads too because he serves the public it is but fair that the public should bear the cost of that all right pratik take thank care you. hope all goes well in gujarat yeah thank you bye 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 pratik before i resume the discussion among the four of us this email she doesn't want me to give her name it's n it's a very long email so i'll just compress it the first half of the email n talks about she's a long time female subscriber since 2015 actually and she says she i got particularly motivated to speak after listening to the bit about arnabet palghar in hafta 273 because it's something i've been thinking about since last week almost all my close and extended family is a super modi fan this relationship is not new i grew up in a healthy diet of rss vhp bjp we have family friends who are members of the sang vhp bbp and i believe i have met my i have met the previous sarsan chalak as a child so when palghar happened she says that you know she got bombarded by communal memes and adding fuel to the fire was arnab So she's gone on to say that how it is so difficult to reason with a family member and 
while she understands some of the angst where they're coming from, like she says that this is the wrong example to use, but they say that there would be no outrage. There would be a lot of outrage if a minority had been killed. She says the logic I use is the most obvious one, that of course, if the minority is killed because they're a minority and it becomes a political issue like it does, of course it should be made into a big deal. But even if it wasn't, at a speculative level, it would be made into a big deal, which she says is also true. Even if we did not know the full facts. So uh, she has, you know, gone into that entire conversation and, and how it's just so difficult when you watch your own parents turn into bigots, is what she says. So uh, she has now, I'll just quote some of her, e some bits from her email. She says, I'm already past the word limit, wanted to express solidarity with the subscriber who wrote about his parents turning to bigotry. Welcome to the club. You can perhaps mute WhatsApp groups or quit talking to extended family, but you can't avoid your parents. More so when you know they are not really bad people. I think it's wrong to put all Modi supporters, even Sanghis or right-wingers in the same bucket. For example, you keep concluding that most right-wingers are either influenced, intellectually inferior or have nefarious motives. I don't have specific instances to give examples, but that's the impression I have gotten. I don't buy this argument. All the family I spoke to, many of them are PhDs at various fields. It's not just academics. Collectively, they have read everything from Amir Khusro to Shakespeare to Arundhati Roy. They can probably open a library, and I know reading alone is not enough. They've traveled the world, met different kinds of people. They are not sexist, blatantly casteist, or even religious. Some of them are, were not born to privilege and understand their current privilege. Some of them are the most charitable people I know. Yet, many of them have a worldview that are problematic. She says these, these, there are reasons for it and some of them are understandable if not valid. I think the other side should make an effort to understand those reasons. News Laundry versus News Laundry would be a good format for this. Well, N, maybe it would. And uh, this is one paragraph that I particularly love. I must add that News Laundry team is super awesome and I will continue to support you as I have in the past. I can only prove my loyalty by saying that I was listening to Hafta while on epidural waiting for my son's delivery. How about that? Oh, wow. Wow. So uh, I very much hope wow. your revenue model is a success. All the best for the future. What a woman. This is a woman after my heart. Thank you. Thank you so much, N. Um, I understand. And great suggestions also. And she, uh, it's a fantastic email. We should email. do a deep dive on bigotry maybe. We really should. like this explore kind of it as a phenomenon. Really, really exemplifies what women do. What women do. It is, it is unbelievable because it touches me so much because, you know, when you're pregnant, you're delivering, you're taking care of a newborn, but your brain keeps going. You're still, you're still in your head, in some sense, working at whatever you work. That never stops. I really, really appreciate your support and your words of wisdom and your empathy. And I get what you're saying. Many people who we know who are kind, generous, have traveled the world, yet tend to... I won't call them bigots, but tend to often endorse bigotry or justify it or even push bigoted views. I think it's an interesting deep dive into why why that happens. Yeah, yeah. And different levels of bigotry, different kind of worldviews. I think we should really try and understand. Okay. What... Um, on that note, I would just like to ask the panel, uh, you know, if you could spend the last 10-12 minutes talking about these two people we lost. This week's Awful and Awesome was actually recorded before we lost Irfan Khan and Rishi Kapoor. So there'll be no mention of that in case you're wondering how can we have a pop culture podcast and we haven't even acknowledged this happened because it was already recorded and we uploaded today. But yesterday, Irfan Khan died and today, Rishi Kapoor died. Both very, very big and important members of the Indian entertainment industry. Irfan Khan, a member of the international entertainment industry. In fact, CNN yesterday was carrying, you know, longish pieces on him and 
I listen to the BBC podcast every day. The BBC news podcast had about four minutes on him, so he was clearly an important figure. Yeah, the like world a spy. Meera Nair has written a piece in the New York Times on Irfan today. So yeah, Madhu, why don't you start? Both of them. What did you make of this? Irfan's body of work speaks for itself. I mean, he was really magical in his range and everything that he did, and he's one of that generation who did not come from a family propping him up or whatever. He came from Rajasthan. He lost his father at a very young age. Joined, uh, I think he joined some uh, drama school in Jaipur, and then went to National School of Drama. And uh, if you see all the actors who come out of National School of Drama, they're just different. They're totally different. So he had that. I did not know him personally, though having you know casually met him, but that doesn't mean knowing anyone. However, Rishi Kapoor, I knew very well, very oh. very well, and um, out uh, he was. i would venture to say he was raj kapoor's favorite son and <laughs> um, and uh, also because he was cheeky he was cheeky with him mm-hmm. and not reverential and he had a couple of uh, character traits that are common in almost every single kapoor family uh, person uh, which is that he has a great sense of had a great sense of humor had you in splits all the time and uh, his love of food like all kapoor Uh, mm. family members and he just was really like all of them with a huge heart a very big heart so i know his family will miss him terribly and i and i think that he was really a wonderful wonderful human being did you watch a lot of his films like yeah i have seen his films which is your favorite uh, rishi kapoor film i think the comedies really the the later ones not his I didn't like his, uh, you know, Bobby and all that. That's a genre that I don't really click with. Uh, it's too camp from in my for my taste. But I think his recent ones, which I uh, I liked him in uh, Mulk. I liked him in Mantu. I did like that crazy film Kapoor and Sons. It was a huge flop. I loved it. For some reason, I liked him in that. I think that's those are the recent recent ones that I like. Uh, yeah even with me with rishi kapoor i'm not a big fan of his older films but i liked him in his later i really liked him in kapoor and sons and mul calls he was good hmm okay you can come back to it but i think for me um i mean i i'm rarely ever saddened by a celebrity's death like even if i really like their work i never feel sad if they die That's like cuz you're <laughs> heartless and a horrible person i've always maintained that no but doesn't touch me in any I, i'm like oh okay good guy died but i don't but for the first time with irfan khan i mildly teared up just reading the obits and i really i really felt like it felt a bit of a personal loss and it and that's when i realized like wow he must really have had an impact with his acting because i wasn't like a fan or followed whatever but i i made it a point to watch all his movies in this theater because i think even with the worst of scripts he could just pull off a film you know and you would i would just go to watch him cuz it was guaranteed entertainment but yeah it felt really really personal for the first time for me knowing that okay i'm now going to watch him on the big screen again and what a body of work i think my favorite has to be i think makbool yeah i think makbool he did a fantastic job in all that english so medium angrezi medium english medium hindi medium yeah. all that series he english. was amazing Lunch medium box, i haven't seen heather yet, also yeah. i mean hindi that's iconic medium, his yeah. scene i'm not that much into films yeah. and stuff but i mean other than just watching and stuff but whenever i mean if i were to go to netflix or amazon prime i'll search with irfan khan movies nawazuddin siddiqui movies because i mean <laughs> yeah. you know those are going to be really yeah. great absolutely yeah, and yeah, yeah. i watched the lunchbox man the yeah. performance thing, yeah. was just out of the world yeah you couldn't tell if this was an actor or this was just a person regular person yeah interestingly the two actors represent 
two uh, completely different methods of acting. Irfan Khan from National School of Drama was extremely intense, restrained, careful, every breath, every move had meaning. And uh, Rishi Kapoor came from a different school of Raj Kapoor uh, uh, launching him with his first film with Bobby and all this Halagula Laila Nach Gana and everything. But he could also do the serious stuff as we saw. But it's a different genre. Rishi Kapoor never went to any school of drama. I think uh, graduating from school was a problem with every member in the Kapoor family. <laughs> they never went to college, but they grew up on the sets watching their father. I think life in a metro also. I thought Irfan yeah. Khan was superb in that film. He was just so watchable. So I, you know, I just think it's it's so sad because of the time, you know, COVID that everybody's locked in because. It must be so horrible for the family because at this time you need family around, you need friends around. Mm. And to not be able to do that, not be able to even hug someone because of social distancing, I think, I mean, I, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but a black comedy could be made on just a death during the time of social distancing that how do you actually express grief when you have to maintain social distance? Well, his daughter Ridima applied for permission to charter a flight to go to Mumbai for her funeral. I don't think she got the permission. So she's driving, Across driving to Mumbai. She's yeah. got the permission to drive to, to Mumbai for the funeral. Wow. So I, I, from I, Delhi. I, so I think it's an 18-hour drive. Yeah, I saw Amitabh Bachchan's tweet about Rishi Kapoor. With his picture? Uh, with No, I don't know if he put a picture. <laughs> because Amitabh usually put But he did T217. He numbered it. That shocked at... at I'm at sure his. it has a picture of him and maybe Rishi Kapoor with him. Let me check. But uh, Unlike him to not have... But I picture. think... Um, I, I mean, I was not, you know, too fond of Rishi Kapoor as an actor. But, um, I mean, I just think that the entire Kapoors, all of them have died so young, yeah. How I old was he? 65 or 66 or something. Namadu, so it's basically yeah, mid to late the, 60s. And this Rishi Kapoor's, the others were, you know, a lot to do with lifestyle and everything. But Rishi's was particularly unfair because it wasn't anything to do with lifestyle. It was cancer. Now, mm. cancer hits anybody. And so was Irfan, right? Cancer. Yeah. Mm. He almost had a year of struggle, Irfan Khan. with. And Irfan had the worst form of cancer, I believe, where nobody survives more than two years. And it's, I just watched his film, Angrezi Medium, which was supposed to have a theatrical release, which I couldn't get because he went to lockdown. So I saw it on... Um, Amazon Prime. I highly recommend it, by the way. It's, it's a fantastic film. And he's really, really amazing as an actor. And so is uh, Dobrial, that other guy on it. So on that note, I think we can wind up Hafta for today. So we will now give you recommendations on the Hafta. Before that, a couple of announcements. I repeat, you've started News Laundry versus News Laundry. The last episode was me and Mehraj. It is to demonstrate that how you can disagree and reclaim the debate. You don't have to be disagreeable and still disagree. You don't have to be angry and enemies to disagree. We often do within the news laundry team and we want to extend this respectful disagreements to go as debates as NL versus NL with our subscribers. So do get involved, fill in that form that you guys have been sent and let's debate each other in a way where something better emerges and better ideas emerge because that is the whole purpose of the debate. The NL versus NL is available on the News Laundry Conversations, NL Conversations channel on all your podcast platforms. Do subscribe to News Laundry because it's easy to whine about the news and how bad it is. But unless you pay, it is not going to serve you. And especially going forward when the only people who have money in the country are not going to be corporations, but the government, government ads will be supporting news. And then therefore, news will be more and more, I'd say, uh, intimidated to actually take on 
people who have to be held accountable because that is the nature and essence of democracy. And if you have any emails you want to send, send them to contact at newslaundry.com. I repeat, contact at newslaundry.com. Do write hafta in the subject line uh, so that we can include in the hafta and only subscriber mails will be included in the hafta. On that note, recommendations. Let's start with you, Madhu. What do you recommend? Uh, every evening at 7.30, you can log on to uh, Kruger National Park in South Africa and go on a live safari. And when I f- when we first went on it, it was like, oh gosh, we're just going to be watching these birds and squirrels and all that. But very quickly, it became magical because you could see close-up live tigers with their cubs and uh, lions and deer and it's just beautiful it's really a beautiful experience from 7 30 in the evening kruger national park live oh that sounds interesting I'll... yeah and, they, and the guides are so knowledgeable they give you they know the animals they know the names of the tigers they describe why one tiger has got one ear missing and one eye is damaged and they know all the animals really well by name and who they are how old they are and how they live and how many babies they've had and everything. It's quite a wonderful experience. Good watch for kids. Yeah, man. Even for me. Yes, just yes, put it yes it's fabulous. It's a family watch. But I'm a child. Okay, anything else, Madhu? <laughs> Thank you, Manisha, for that face. <laughs> what face did she make? Eek, eek, yeek, yuck face. Okay. So my recommendation this week is like really personal. I was reading about the other day, a couple of days ago, I was reading about how local media has suffered, basically has been decimated over the last 10-12 years. And I came across uh, this one newspaper, which is called the Rocky Mountain News. It Mm. was a newspaper in Denver, United States, a small city of like 7 lakh people or something. And it clicked. Then I went looking what it was, why why it clicked with me. So then I remembered back in when I was in journalism school, I read this piece which had won the Pulitzer Prize for feature writing in 2006. And it was published in this newspaper. It's about these two marines. It's called The Final Salute. If you want to read it, it, it is there on the Pulitzer website. So it's called Final Salute. It's about these two marines whose job it is to go to the families whose sons or daughters have been killed in war. And what oh, do they, yeah, 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 yeah. I've, what do they say to them? I've, I've read this, yes. The sheer beauty of yes. writing up this piece. When yeah. I first read it, this was like, someday hey, I want to write like this. this. Someday I want to read, <laughs> uh, write like this. Absolutely oh, how brilliant. How long back was this piece written? Six years ago, you said? No, 2006 it won. It okay. was back when I was in, I started journalism school and this was yeah, one of I my mentors. He just it was an pointed it out. It, it appeared Absolute, on the... Uh, Rocky Mount, Mountain okay. News. And that and paper shut Unfortunately, down. that paper has shut down. I just found out that it hmm. shut down in 2009. Which Mayaj, what's one the is, title of the st- uh, story? Uh, it's called Final Salute. It's by this uh, journalist called Jim Sheeler. S-H-E-E-L-E-R. So, I mean, this shows the one, I mean, how great writing really is sensitively such sensitive topics how you can read uh, write so beautifully another thing aspect is how important local news is how important local media is and why we need to support that why need we need to strengthen that because that is that is where you get these stories and on a side note how good journalism is not enough to keep good journalism going yeah mm. 
there are anchors today who are using similar language you know calling them cockroaches and that these guys have not done enough for the building of the nation we must get rid of these cockroaches it's really quite chilling so watch the tippani and there's a really beautiful piece on a conversation between irfan and his wife sutapa uh, in news laundry hindi it's a conversation of you know their love how they met marriage children life it's quite it's a very nice read so yeah okay thank you i would like to recommend a bunch of things but some of them are my usual npr so i'll save those for next time but i want to really want to recommend and i recommended even in awful and awesome is a spanish film called the platform which i watched on netflix i think it is an amazing film i think what if you are queasy because it's very gory and bloody it may put you off but i wish it hadn't been because the message that it actually gives is phenomenal and it, what is it about it's basically this building which houses a prison slash reality show you can go in there voluntarily you can be sent there for a punishment and each floor has just two people in this it's a cement cell and there are two beds a basin and a potty that's it and a big hole in the middle and basically it's i won't tell you how many floors there are because i'll give it away but there are hundreds of floors and uh, more than 100 at least and a table comes down from the top floor with the most elaborate exquisite meal with the finest things cakes and you know duck and whatever you can snails and whatever it is it's like by michelin star chef it's red and then it stops at every floor for a few minutes so you can eat by the time it reaches a particular floor there's nothing left and you are on each floor for a month and you you'll wake up every month on a different floor so you could go up on the second floor or you could be down at the or this is so european yaar and it's dark movies and basically what it does to human nature will you leave enough for everybody so that everybody can live or will you not leave enough so that people in the bottom floors have to eat each other it's oh. it's i think it's a political commentary of amazing amazing refinement something like parasite is it yes i think parasite is a little more sophisticated it had many more layers this is a little less nuanced or sophisticated more brutal no not just in its in its in its format even in the in the communication in the message but it's it's very very interesting i think it's brilliant so i highly recommend it on netflix so on that note thank you madhu for joining us hopefully once this Bye. lockdown is over yeah, we'll have you it's so nice to see people are aap bolo to aapke ghar ke aage naach le hamare paas a press card hai i've never been so happy to see your faces <laughs> well <laughs> doesn't say much about us <laughs> took a <laughs> pandemic for you to be happy to see us <laughs> So until the next time thank you all stay safe stay indoors thank you panel we leave you okay, with this song bye bye, bye. bye. bye.
बांध कीजिए डूबने लगे हम सांस लेने दीजिए ना बेकरा है बेकर आंखें बंद कीजिए ना डूबने लगे हैं हम सांस लेने दीजिए ना podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.